Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina and Andy Bernard. We will be right in a couple of seconds. Kick off hour two, Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. More than anything, I need your love. Then troubles are easy to rise above. Ladies and gentlemen. Seventy-seven today. Seventy-seven years old. Wow. I just—I knew he was in his seventies, but I didn't know he was seventy-seven. Damn. Unfortunate. What are you going to do? Well, it's, it is fortunate. I guess he's still alive, right? Yeah, he's still alive, but we just remember him as a much younger, yep. energetic voice. Yeah, very energetic. Yeah. One of my heroes of all time, no doubt about it. Eric Burton, happy birthday, 77. Ryan Stott in studio. He's at Acme tonight and tomorrow night, two shows. As My a favorite place in the world. Acme. Acme. It just, is great. Just one of the – and it's amazing to me that even today, like, you go through all of Minnesota and they don't realize, like, one of the best comedy clubs in the world – In the world, yeah. – is right here. And they go, really? Yeah, they don't <laughs> – Nearly right. every time they go, what? And you're you go, right. Yeah. And I think part of it's the weather. It, this whole part of the country, yeah. you know, when you're when you're cold for six months, you actually, you know, develop the ability to sit and listen, and uh, let other people talk and find entertainment indoors. Whereas, you know, I grew up in Texas. People are outside. Right. They're on boats. They're on. Right. They're hunting. They're doing weird stuff all year long. California is a mess. Yeah, California. They a never mess. deal with snow. They're just <laughs> doing whatever they want. We're at the beach and it's fine. Who's talking? Why? <laughs> 
<laughs> we had a guy call in this morning. He lives here now. He's from Australia originally. Mm-hmm. And he called into the show and said, yeah, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's a great place to live from, well, it's a great place to live except for, like, October through June. So it was July, <laughs> August, and September. That was it. July, August, September, it's nice. The rest we'll of give horrible. you 25% of the year. 25% of the year, it's the best place. 75% of the year, mm, See, couldn't I pay go, me. June 15th is when it, it, you can count on it being nice here. And then, you know, I, I, Thanksgiving I like and Halloween I like. Andy's birthday's in October, my son down there. And... And my birthday's in November. You got Thanksgiving. You got Christmas. So I, yeah, June fifteenth through the end of the year, I, it's fine. Sure, sure. But the other, the first five and a half months of the year are just horrible. Well, when I get offers to come to this part of the country when it's nice out, I just flat out turn it down. Oh, absolutely. Because nobody will no, no, come no. in. Comedy is a bad weather game, everybody. You're right. I want you miserable so yeah. that you can come in and <laughs> teeth chattering. You take off your big coats and you go, all right, let's yep. try to relax here for a little while. Uh, it's true. You do not want to come here when it's 85 and, and sunny. And, and no, I was no. here when it was negative 50. And you know what? Best shows of my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, just lovely. I want to come in and laugh. I, I, was, I was looking at the weather last week for what this week was going to look like. And I saw cloudy and rainy. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. It's going to oh, be horrible. This is going to be lovely for me. Especially on Friday. I mean, today, like today, when you get the showers off and on and it's 50 degrees. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, perfect in May. That works. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And even like tomorrow night, the sun, the sun will, will go down by eight o'clock. So you don't care. No, I don't. I don't mind. Yeah. The sun goes down, and, uh, and then it's high tomorrow, sixty-four, which means it's going to be in the upper fifties. But so yeah, it's not going to be horrible tomorrow. Like today is not good. I mean, I'm sorry. It's what it's May eleventh. Cold. Mm-hmm. It's really cold out. From I think, but it happens. I think I was on this show uh, two years ago, and then when did the Weather Channel buy this this network? We just talk about weather now? No. Is it top to bottom weather? No, we just want to Let's we're talk happy about tornadoes, for, Tom. We're happy for you. <laughs> just the fact your that leg. the weather sucks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because, I, hey, look, I've been, I did not know this, and we talked about, about this the last couple of weeks, because I didn't know until until the KQ Morning Show started, the one you were on. You know, um, until we started booking comedians 33 years ago, yeah. nobody ever booked comedians in this market on the radio. They had no idea that there was value there. I guess not. That sounds like stand-up comedy to me. Yeah. I didn't know that, though. I had no idea that nobody booked comedians. Well, the corporate world's kind of like that right now. Um, there's really? a lot of stigma with the word comedian. Really? And uh, a friend of mine is segueing from doing comedy clubs. He's got a completely clean corporate act from his days oh, when yeah. he was a pharmaceutical rep. And we were talking about how to brand it, and I was like... Whatever you do, do not say that you're a comedian. Really? Because they do not want a comedian. Say you're a speaker. Say you're a humorist. Say you're something. Yeah, humorist. And, That's good. And your, your bookings will skyrocket. As soon as you say comedian, people think, oh, he's dirty. He's a nightclub uh, person. He's yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, no, comedian just means that I take a sheet of paper and I sit down and I fill it with jokes. Yeah. And then I get up and I test those jokes for strangers. And then I keep the ones that work and I get rid of the ones that don't. That's all it means. It, there's no right. – there's it, anything you project on it beyond that about well, comedians are always talking about rape. You go, no, no, what are you talking about? I mean, there are literally blogs out there that oh, people are like, oh, I'll never go to a comedy club because so many comedians just get up there and they just use profanity the whole time. And I go, no, there's a billion clean comics out there. What do you, a billion. How, do you, how can you possibly look at it, a whole art form and go, no, they all do the same thing? It's really amazing about that, though, is the one guy who never worked dirty 
Turned out he actually did rape 60 women. Were, Bill Cosby. <laughs> I mean, he never worked in sure, blue. Sure, sure. Allegedly, allegedly well, a lot of those. 60 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, he, look, he's still got, he's selling property for millions of dollars. He's still got a legal team. Yeah, I'm that's like, right. Look, that's he, true. He's at the end of his rope. He's desperate now. I don't want to say anything bad around that dude. Nah, you're he's right. He's guilty of three right now. That's true. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll leave it at three. Due process is a good thing. It, it sure is. It sure it is. is and, thing, so. and uh, you know what? Justice, the, our, our version of justice has happened. It is weird, though, to see him that old in the courtroom and then to see yeah, the Golden State killer that old in a courtroom. And, and you kind of look at each other and you go, does our justice system work or does it take a while? <laughs> Eddie this Murphy is... had the greatest, the greatest quote about, about uh, Bill Cosby. He said when he got famous on Saturday Night Live that uh, he ran into Bill Cosby. And uh, had a conversation with him. He said, then I called Richard Pryor right that night. I called him up. I said, Richard, Richard, I got to talk to you, man, because I just talked to Bill Cosby. He and I had had some dinner, and and Bill was talking to me. Um, And, Richard, I got to ask you a question. I got to need your advice on something because Bill Cosby said, man, you got to – you got to give up swearing in your act. You shouldn't work blue. It's it's not a good idea. Just take all that swearing out of your act. It's not good. You're too funny for that. You like the F-bomb and all that. Get rid of all that. Take it all out of your act. Well, what do you think, Richard? And Richard Pryor told me, why don't you tell Bill Cosby to have a coke in his mouth and shut the fuck up? Uh, One of the greatest quotes. Yeah, of all yeah, time. yeah. He that he told that story during Raw, right? I think that I think might be right. Eddie think, Murphy's Raw. I, yeah, I think you might be right about it's that. It's fascinating to me as I get. I started doing stand up when I was seventeen, and as I get into it deeper and deeper and deeper, I'm thirty five now. Yeah, and uh, I think about the guys like Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy who just flat out quit. Yeah, they just went. That's true. No, we're not going to do that ever again. And, yeah. and you kind of think, well, a lot of artists have done that in a lot of different fields in where different they just fields. go, no, nah, I'm not painting anymore. No, nah, no more poems from me. No, nah, I'm just giving up this whole creation thing. But uh, yeah. other comics like try to drag through and, you know, evolve and change and shift. You yeah. know, like my buddy who's like, I'm going to go into corporate now and just try to kind of, right. you right. know, entertain that crowd. Yeah, I saw Steve Martin St. Paul was at the Civic Center back then. It wasn't the XL Center. I saw him, this was during his whole Saturday Night Live run when he was hosting Saturday Night Live a lot and all that. And uh, he walked out on stage of 26,000 people. Yeah. So. 26,000. 26,000 That's people a lot of people, up. everybody. Yeah, and, a wonderful and, line, too. He walked out on stage and he held up his hand. There was nothing in his hand if you were sitting up front. He goes, I'd now like to do my wonderful dime trick. Because, you know, these people could <laughs> yeah, not can't possibly see a thing. See a thing. Right, right. But, I, yeah, but you all of a sudden one day go, well, he collects art now. That's what he focuses on is collecting art. I know I know some art people who, who tell me with great confidence. They're like, you know, Steve Martin might be remembered better for yeah. changing the world of art That's than he, he does for the world of comedy just because he's so specific. And mm-hmm. when he gets interested in somebody, the art world kind of raises their eyebrows yeah. and goes, oh, who's that? And then what he's done for the world of banjo is amazing. Well, arrows through the head. You you talk about a guy, and that's why I think about him so much, because I'm like, oh, his interests changed, and that didn't mean he was any less effective. No. He just, he's a smart dude and has a lot of interests and explores all of them. Yes. And uh, in in a world where everybody's so angry and victimized and and wants to throw fits, I always want to go, hey, what do you... What do you want? What are you curious about? Yeah. Why don't you go explore that and dig real hard? And I promise you, you're not going to be so upset that a comedian said fuck. 
See, you're really I, not. I'm going to be honest with you. I, this is what I love about comedians and interviewing comedians because you're very honest about things. Because you and a lot of other people I've talked to recently in the comedy business, you talk about the fact that people all want to be a victim now. Yeah. Most people won't won't bridge that gap. They they they, they won't they won't approach that at all. But it's true. Everybody's a victim now. Yeah. Well, that woman we talked about before we came on. Uh-huh. Would you play the audio for 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 Ryan if you would, Andy? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name again? It's Shion or um, Deanne. I think it's Deanne. Deanne She's Carson. that Australian woman. I've not heard this, but oh, I've heard God. about it. It's well, the children you talk to. Uh, we work from children from three years old. We work with parents from birth. From birth. Yeah. Yeah. Just about how to set up a culture of consent in their home. So I'm going to change your nappy now. Is that okay? Of course, the baby's not going to respond. Yes, mum, that's awesome. I'd love to have my nappy changed. But if you leave a space and wait for body language and wait to make eye contact, then you're letting that child know that their response matters. Unless... (laughs) <laughs> they don't have a unless the baby doesn't want their diaper changed. Yeah, well, and that's then what you I said. change like, it anyway. Yeah, what then? You just let it, you know. Right. I'll just okay. You don't want your diaper changed. Well, that's fine. Well, and and it's weird, you know this this idea of a culture of consent culture is of so consent. big. And for a guy that studied poetry in college, where you're supposed to like look at words and see if they right. matter and right. how they matter and what they mean to different people, the culture of consent means so. It, the definition is so different for everybody. Right. Like there's no tangibility with any of those words that you go, okay, well then we're all setting up different cultures of consent if we're not all on the same page. It's and it, they they make these words sound so positive that everybody's supposed to go yeah that's a good idea and if you're against it then you're obviously bad right. and it turns into an all or nothing situation and, that's and then the that's problem. terrible yeah that is the problem yeah. you know I, I, you and i met you know, a couple of years ago yeah right something like that um i've never portrayed myself as a victim but i can tell you that i think most people have been victimized in certain ways i have had people i considered very good friends steal money from me yeah they have but you don't hear me going, oh, God, you know, he stole, he stole my money. I'm a victim. People are a pain in the ass. I'm sorry. Sartre was right when he said, hell is other people. Yeah. He was right. Right. Okay. So if you're, everybody's a victim. Shut up. Sure. Sure. Right. And life, if, if you view yeah. life as some ruthless thing that's full of chaos, um, you're going to understand real quickly that, yeah, things aren't going to go your way sometimes. Nope. This idea that. Everybody tells you life is not fair. Well, if it's not fair, you're going to get victimized. So that's just how it goes. My mom is probably one of the worst ones because, I mean, if, if we can get deep real quick. Oh, like yeah. she was 12 when her dad died and she had older brothers and sisters oh, and her okay. mom had to work. And she would get home from school and have to cook dinner. Now, when you're right. 12, right. you want to have a childhood. So my mom kind of started getting bitter at a very young age very quickly and like developed this idea that it's the world against me. And then she passed that on to me and my yeah. brother, like, hey, you're going to work real hard, and, and then somebody else is going to come along and fuck it up for you. So, you know, you learn to suck it up. And uh, it took, a, it took years true. of therapy to figure out, oh, yeah, it's not exactly true. But uh, if right. you're, if, uh, let's say you are a victim and then you prove it. Okay, great. Now what? Now what? Now what? Now, what are you going to do now? Now, now you want to sit around while people change yep. your diaper? I, uh, you, your mother and I would get along very well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my father uh, was was gone by the time I was ten. 
and my mother had to work constantly to raise seven children so you were on your own man i mean you were just on your own and making dinner or whatever you were doing sure sure you do tend to get see while i was just talking to a couple guys about this the fact that i do have a very severe rage problem me too i don't drink yeah me neither you know, if I drink, that rage can come out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, Not always. Is your is your anger one of that that kind? It's like mine will spike and then drop. Like yeah, I will yeah, be very yeah. angry and then go. All right, we're gonna get All through right. this. Well, we get through it. But I've dealt with <laughs> I've dealt with people, I guess, who are better emotionally adjusted than I am. Yeah. And uh, they go, you get so angry so quickly, and I just feel like you're mad. And I'm like, no, no, I was mad 30 seconds ago. I'm yeah, done now. I'm done being mad. My, my father, one Christmas, every Christmas, my dad makes cookies. He's done this for 60 years. And uh, he's, he makes great cookies. And right. it's the only time of year he makes cookies. And he's in there. And I just hear him in the kitchen go, God damn it! <laughs> and then my mom screams, what's wrong? And I'm screaming, are you okay? Like just oh, yelling God. out of nowhere. And then he's like, I put too much sugar in the damn cookies. And we're like... Is that it? That's it, huh? <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, it's fine. I'm just going to add some flour and some more egg, and we're just going to make yeah, a bigger make, batch. Make a bigger batch. So we're that good. was it. He spiked, and then it was over. And it was over. It wasn't like the whole day is lost to dad's anger. There are some people he, that carry it with him. He though. mentally worked through it. Yeah, it's good. But what, what kills me is the misunderstanding when people think, oh, Ryan's mad now. <laughs> He's upset. We'll be back. Ryan's out at Acme tonight, tomorrow night, two shows. Right back. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on May 21st. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Oh, I know I'll never lose affection for people and things that went before. I know I'll often stop and think about them. 
love the fact that Molina plays that song to calm us down. That's a good thing. <laughs> in my life, I've loved you more. I like that you're just reading the subtext of people in the room going, I know why you did that. You don't want this show to start getting out of control, spiraling into anger. Oh, no. Tom can attest to it. I am like him and like oh, you. And oh, God. Molina can get angry. <laughs> Your dad left when? I was eight. You were eight. So, yep. uh-huh. I know exactly uh, coming home, and I had two younger brothers, and yeah, you got to start dinner. So, so you had two younger brothers, and you nope. were eight, and nope. and was it your fault he left? Uh, yes. Probably. Did you oh, okay. Do it? <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see. Well, well like Tom's dad, uh, my, my dad was like, you know, he never said it, but it was always kind of clear that uh, he did not like me. No. So. <laughs> Mike well, he probably didn't him. like anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he doesn't like his own kids, like who, yeah. who the hell does he care for? Well, my my father didn't like me, but he did like my older brother. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, he, matter of fact, I think it might have been the only kid that he liked. There were seven <laughs> kids, and I think he liked one of them. Ah. He was crazy. Sure, no sure. But Molina, I mean, the Molina story, is, it's much worse than mine does because he lost his mother, what, graduation day? Yeah, it'll be five years. Good uh, God. Uh, Graduating from college, and is, what, on the, was it on the way to graduation? Yeah, well, I was picking her up at her house, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh. That's... So, yeah. If Molina... So, life just took its fists and just started pummeling <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Just yeah. slamming it into you for yeah. no good reason. Like, oh, there's no, no re- life is not fair. Nope. And then uh, you had a choice. You could be like, well, I'm going to write some blogs about how hurt I yeah. am. Exactly. Or you could say, well, I guess <laughs> I have to fight my way through life because yeah. life is trying to fight me. So, I'll it's fight true. back. Yeah. And, uh, well, good for you. Yeah. Good for you fighting back. It yeah. is funny, though, when, to, to watch somebody come in here and make some statements. And watch Molina get angry. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's really hilarious. What is he? he what does he get touchy about? Uh, I'm contentious, so I want to argue. He's a very good friend of mine, Cy Amundsen. I don't know if you know. Cy I know Cy. Yeah. Yeah, Cy's a very good friend of mine. But he and Molina do not get along at all. <laughs> and I don't, you know. But you know, Cy's a very opinionated guy. Oh, uh, sure. And he sure. will just beat you to death with his, with his opinion. Oh, and eventually, yeah. Molina hits the wall. It's like, <laughs> shut up! No, stop <laughs> saying that. You've got a one-sided position, funny. and it sucks. <laughs> really funny. Allow for others. It's really funny to watch. It I just is. think it's funny, this whole, like, because we started down the road with the diapers and the consent thing. Yeah, and consent, uh, consent to touch I, your poop. I'm just wondering, like, can you, can you give consent if somebody's going to do something nice for you? You know what I mean? I totally understand. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, uh, well, we were going to put a million dollars in your bank account, but you didn't give consent, so we so. thought we should ask you first. And it seems so ridiculous. And now I'm thinking, no, banks do that now. Yeah. Like, I tried to um, – We, my girlfriend and I had a weird uh, a situation where I had to give her – or she had to give me cash for something, and then I had to give, give her a check, and then I took the cash, and then I ended up owing her money. It was very I, confusing. I think that's called wire fraud. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were trying to scam the system in one way or another. Yeah, there you go. But nice. the bottom line is, I end up in line at her bank with a wad of cash that I need to put into her account that day. Oh. Okay. And uh, the bank went, "Oh no, no, we don't allow that. If you're not listed on her account, you can't put cash into her Even account." Even if it's cash. And I was like, "Why?" I said, "I'm not trying to. We you could always deposit stuff at a bank. I'm trying. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to withdraw." Right. And they're like, "Yeah, there's too much. There's too much uh, crime and." Yeah, I never fraud. heard of deposit 
like restrictions because it's a deposit. It's cash. It's a deposit. It's like, what could go wrong? Um, and by the way, this is this is the fact at Bank of America, at Chase, and then really? Wells Fargo recently changed their rules that you can't do it. After screwing people out of money for the last <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. You can screw me, but I can't deposit money in your bank because I might screw... What? We can take your money. Yes. You just can't give it to us. Yeah, you just give, there you go. That's a new slogan for Wells Fargo. We can take your money. You just can't give it to us. That's, But it's true, though. Well, and the consent, the whole thing of it has so many, so many different variables, and you've got this weird gray area in the middle. Like when the Me Too movement started and everybody thought, like, well, we're going to have equality in Hollywood. I just sat there and shook my head, and I was like, well, now we have to feel bad for some women, everybody. And yeah. they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well... If, if this is true, if we're trying to get rid of, of people taking advantage of other people in Hollywood, you have to really feel bad for the women who really are trying to sleep their way to the top. <laughs> because this whole movement is cutting their legs it's, out from under them. It really is. But You're you right. know what's funny? I say that certain places and the crowd laughs because they realize the inherent contradiction. And then sometimes the crowd just goes, no, no, oh no. No, that's not the point. You're missing the point. And I'm like... You're an idiot. No, no, I get the point. I'm saying, do you recognize consequences? Because there is a nice young 18-year-old who moved to L.A. with no talent at all, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to sleep my way to the top. And she did it, and she was representative of women on the screen, and you had no idea what her history was, but you you got to go, oh, she's an actress, and she's very good at it, and and awesome. And then uh, now it's like, well... We don't know how you got there, but we want to make sure you took the proper channels, and we want to make sure you weren't taken advantage of, and we want your whole backstory and the backstory of everybody you ever touched and talked to, and we, and you go, why? Are we going to get anything we, done? <laughs> well, that's the problem. No. I mean, we're not going to get anything done any longer. It's not about getting things done. It's about attention. What well, is about attention? But we were, uh, we were just talking. I don't know if you, you know Adam Hunter or not, but Adam's yeah. in town as well. Yeah. And we were just talking to Adam about this, the fact that I do believe and not celebrities, not just celebrities, but all public figures will eventually be accused of sexual harassment if they don't do something about due process. Um, yeah, well... Because you, you're going to get nailed. I mean, you just are. The, the whole idea that you... <laughs> it's an all-or-nothing proposition. You have to believe the victims. Yep. You have to. You have to. You and either you go, do or you don't. Wow. And if you do, then every accusation is valid, which yeah, is not a position you can really It's unbelievable. Take. Right. Well, we spent a long time, we spent a long time uh, in the court system writing laws. And we did that because did. there's a lot of nuance involved. <laughs> there's a and lot that's, of, that's why it took laws. so long. That's why that's why you you have to go to school and study law because we wrote so many goddamn rules because we figured out all of these little corners and and dead ends that you can get into that weren't fair and what what society has done now is they've watched enough Law and Order that they yes. went I know about the law I could take this into my own hands I'm just going to take to the internet and start a movement I remember when Law and Order and CSI and that kind of thing first came out. Jurors were asking, like, you know, okay, so, uh, you know, why don't we use the, you know, retinal um, identification software on that $10 Chinese security camera? (laughs) And they were like, it it made things so difficult to convince people that that wasn't real Mm -hmm. and that the reason they don't have evidence is because, you know, there just is no evidence. You can't magic it into the courtroom. Right. And, And we're doing the best we can. I would think. Pardon? Um, we're doing the best we can, and the court system is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying desperately to do better with it. It's not like it's not like everybody's sitting around going, eh, it'll be fine. Everybody has the fear of, like, well, I don't want to be 
sitting as the defendant right. and have right. a system set up that's against me. Everybody's that way. You just nailed the whole problem we have in America now with one word. We have completely lost nuance. Oh, yeah. It's gone. Right. Well, you can't lose nuance. It's necessary. That's what, it's human. That's yeah. what makes us human is nuance. Yeah. The, I, well, I, I, there was, there's a book called Factfulness that came out recently. Mm-hmm. It's by, a, a, I believe it's a Swedish scientist, but it's very interesting. The guy who killed himself <laughs> at 104? No, 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 he killed the other guy. He, oh, he killed, killed the, the other guy. He killed the other guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but he, he talks about, you know, everybody's talking about the gap. They, they set up two situations, and then they look at the gap. Like, how, how are these two? Look at the right. wage gap. Look at the gap between, right. you know, this race of people versus that race of people. Look at the gap here. And, and he goes, that's a quick way to get into trouble. Yeah. If mm. you want to look at the overlap, now you're actually going to be talking about something interesting. Right. Because right. it's not as though you can pick out every single woman and go, oh, you make 80 cents on the dollar to every single man. You go, no, that's not a true thing at all. Not at all. We have to look at the overlap of how people yep. are getting paid. Yep. Because there are women who make a ton more money than I do. Oh yeah. A ton. And yet, Smith. I mean, what do we do? Wild we just don't count them? <laughs> yeah, well, it's exactly right. Again, a woman from Richfield, Minnesota, Sally Smith is her name. She's no longer with the company because she sold it. But she started Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's some she's, money. She's got more money than all everybody you know and I know and everybody put together. Right. And she did it. And she was a woman from Richfield. Richfield would be what would you? A pretty blue-collar suburb, wouldn't you say, Andy? Yeah, it, it's never really been, despite the name, it's never really been known for richness. Well, let me put it this way. I was talking to somebody about Sally, because I don't know her, but I know people that do know her. And they said, I said, what's her, what's her background? What's her history? They said, well, she, she grew up in Richfield. But you need to understand something, Tom. She doesn't live in Richfield anymore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I, I believe you. I, I believe you. I understand that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I what if everybody's being prevented from advancing and succeeding? Why wasn't she stopped? You're right. You. How can we? How do yeah. we account for these success stories? Right. And it's weird that the the people who want to talk about quote unquote accountability right. don't want to account for all the factors. That's... They want to say no, no, that doesn't matter, and that one over there doesn't matter. And I was true. like, and my mom was an accountant, so I go, what kind of accounting are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that old riddle about uh, three guys show up at a hotel and they're going to get a room, and uh, the manager says, okay, well it's thirty dollars. So each one of the guys pulls out $10, <clears throat> pardon, and uh, they pay the $30, they go up to the room, and the manager goes, oh no, I overcharged those guys, it should have only been $25. So he gives the bellhop $5, he says, take this up to the room and give it to those guys. Well, the bellhop's going up there and he realizes, well, I can't split $5 three ways, so I'm going to give them $3 and then I'm going to keep two. Now, here's the riddle. If he gives each one of those guys a dollar, then technically each one of those guys only paid nine dollars, right? Yes. Nine times three is twenty-seven. Plus the two dollars in his pocket, that's twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. Where's the other dollar? And I remember I told my mom that riddle, and my mom just her expression didn't change, (laughs) and she just glared at me and then started shaking her head no. 
She's oh. like, she's just going no 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 because you're you're mixing up what was paid versus yeah. what something cost Ryan. <laughs> you can't mix up the numbers on the page like that. But you can. <laughs> you, you can just did. is you the just point. Did. Right. And and by the way, Hollywood does that all the time. Oh, Holly, yeah. Hollywood oh, yeah. math. If you guys don't know that term, oh, oh it is God. fascinating because that's how the the writer for Forrest Gump one of the biggest grossing films of the time, the studio is saying, no, 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 we lost money on that film. We can't, we can't get you any money. We, oh, we overseas, the, the, we cost, it cost us on uh, promotions and, and shipping and handling. I don't even know. And you go, how is that possible? How is that possible? As an example of that in radio, we had an ownership group, a uh, couple ownership back at, at the radio station. And uh, he asked me if, if I would, because, because I... I Apparently, in his company, I was the highest-paid on-air guy in the company. So, will you take a pay cut? And I said, what? why? I mean, well, you know, the economy crashed in 2008 and blah, 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 blah. And if you don't, I'm going to have to let a bunch of people go. Mm. And I said, well, wait a minute. I mean, I yeah, I mean, if you want me to give money back, I'm not going to take a pay cut, but I will kick my money back to the company so people don't do, lose their jobs. Oh, the perspective of it for you uh, mattered. Yes, it did. Right. It Interesting. So I said, I just want to make sure that these people don't lose their jobs. It, you know, I made the mistake of not saying I don't want anyone to lose their job. Because what he did, he took that money that I gave back home. He, all those people did not lose their jobs, but he fired 10 other people. Right? Because oh. I didn't talk about them. Then he filed bankruptcy. And walked away with forty-five million dollars uh, in cash. Uh, There's that Hollywood math. You're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. Man. I, that son of a bitch. If I ever see him again, he's not going to breathe much longer. Uh, I'll tell you. Oh man, what a horrible human being. Right, right. You can well, never trust people with that much money. Well, that much money, you can't. It corrupts them true. instantly. It's true. And it's and and I almost think that that's where nuance got us into trouble. Because then people are trying to use it for their own benefit. Yep. And you go, oh, yeah. come on, we had an understanding mm-hmm. about humanity and morality. And <laughs> and, and they go, well, technically we didn't. <laughs> and you go, so, this is nuts. Um, I he, don't, I don't, you have more to this well, story. Well, I was just going to say, he, he basically took nine times as much money as I gave back. Oh, and man. ten people still lost their jobs. So it was just nothing but win for him while everybody else lost. Everyone else suffered. Everybody else loses except for me. I win big. Yeah. What a pig. And you know what? Unfortunately, it's people like that who say, well, life isn't fair. Yeah, well, yeah, and, that's right. And it's different when you say life isn't fair <laughs> when you're true, losing yeah. and life isn't yeah. fair when you're winning. And uh, the, that nuance matters. Um, the, the, the perspective on things is so interesting to me because I, when I was a kid, I played a lot of chess. My dad, okay. my dad played chess with me. His his friends played chess with me. We would play for a Michelob. That's what we would play for. And I when was you eight, were a kid? so I lost a lot. I lost a lot. <laughs> like they weren't gonna let yeah, me win. You're not gonna win. Um, which is good. We'll be right back and hear more about chess. You know, chess and poetry. I want to talk to you about both of those. Okay. Right, right after this, Tom Bernard show. Tom here for Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Chris Lindahl's here. 
talk about people wanting to sell their homes, but uh, the problem is they don't know where they're going to go. That's right. Yeah. The biggest challenge right now is, you know, you can sell your house and you can sell your house for more money with the Chris Lindahl team. The issue is, is where are you going to go? You know, are you going to move in with your parents, your grandparents? Are you going to have a hotel, townhome for temporary housing? Or are you going to move in with Tom? Well, they're not going to move in with me. <laughs> they might move in with Chris, though, ladies and gentlemen. That's K-R-I-S, by the way. We have to reach right out to them. Where are they going to go? Yeah, so we have a you-don't-have-to-move-twice guarantee yeah, like where that. there's there's five steps that we take at the Chris Lindahl team where we put those things in your contract when we represent you so that you're protected so you don't move twice. You're in control because you're the seller. And when you find a property, then you sell. It's a wonderful thing. So you've got the answer. I have the answer. Here we go. <laughs> That's why they're America's number one REMAX results team. We'll give the first five callers a free copy of Chris's number one best-selling book, Sold, chrislindahl.com, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Out in studio. He's at Acme tonight, tomorrow night, two shows. As a matter of fact, 8 and 10.30 at Acme, one of the greatest uh, comedy clubs in the country. Lewis Lee, of course. The Godfather Lewis Lee. Yeah, the Godfather yeah. Lewis Lee. Andy, I want you to know something, that in the last 24 hours, I cannot tell you the number of people who said they're severely depressed, and some of them actually <laughs> teared up when you told them the results of, what is it, Ronald Wagner? That oh, is, the uh, Apple guy? Yeah. Is it Ronald Wagner? Is that his name? <clears throat> Do you know this story, right? I don't know this story. What oh, happened? Oh, God. Uh, was you I, might, you might was I on a plane? Crying. What happened? <laughs> you might tear up. Ronald sure. Wayne. Ronald Wayne. There you go. Mm. Tell uh, tell Mr. Stout what Ronald Wayne did. I like how your voice went up. Go, go ahead and tell him. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and tell him. I'm going to sit here and watch oh, a little seriously, bit. seriously. It's so depressing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, uh, in the 70s, he started working with Steve Jobs and... He founded Apple with him and Wozniak, uh, and he got a 10% stake in Apple, which he then sold two weeks later for $800. Uh, the equivalent of a 10% stake in Apple today would be $80 billion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The guy didn't know what he had. And no, he's still alive, he sure and he's living not. in a trailer He's living in a trailer park. house. Oh, is that true? Yep. He's living in a trailer park. Huh. Somehow he's still alive. He... Uh. People have called me or come to me on the street and go, I literally started tearing up when Andy told yeah, that story. <laughs> among the worst decisions any human has ever made. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's very happy in his trailer. That was so great how you yeah. were trying to think of something worse that happened and you couldn't. <laughs> huh. Huh. Yeah, $80 billion, that's like, you know. Oh, Could have been $100 billion? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There you go. Could have been $100 billion. <laughs> Uh, $800. That's fascinating. Isn't that amazing it's that amazing. that happened? He said, though, and Andy did point this out, he said, with the facts, where they were at the time, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he's convinced of that. Things being what they were then and what the facts were then, oh, that even, was the right decision. Even if you don't think Apple's going to make it, it's $800. You can gamble on yeah, that. Who cares? If you lose $800, it's not that big of a deal. I have $800 in Bitcoin right now. Well, and by go. the way, it is volatile and it is up and down. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you something, guys. 
The roller coaster is fun for me. Oh, it is go. a lot of fun. Like you put Dude. your money in blue chip stocks and you just watch them slowly gain a little bit over yeah. time. Yep. In the past month, I've been up thousands of dollars. I've been up. I've been down thousands of dollars, <laughs> and and I'm just grabbing my chest, like squeezing stuff, yeah. going, "Oh, oh, this is terrible." It's but it's true. fun. It's fun. That yeah, give you something to do. Yeah, it's only yeah. eight hundred bucks. Who cares? Bucks, whatever, whatever works. But <laughs> yeah, honestly, Andy, I cannot tell you how many people have talked to me about that. They're just, they're, they were crushed. Think of the guy who went from 800 bucks to 80 billion in one just quick stroke of the pen. Yeah. Signed, mm-hmm. signed an agreement to sell it. Did it say who he sold it to? He just relinquished the stock back to. Oh, back to Wozniak. And, yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, oh. technically it wasn't a stock, it was a stake. It was a stake, yes. A because stake. he, it was uh, a stake. That's he true, yes. co founded it. So huh. it was Wozniak. It was, uh, what's his name again? Wayne? Ronald Wayne, yeah, Wozniak Wayne and and uh, and uh, Steve, Jobs. Steve Jobs, yeah. Hmm. I uh, there's a great Wozniak story. It's is um, Steve O, Steve O from yeah Jackass from Jackass, on. yeah. He was working on I, I don't know for some for some reason he was on a TV show or something with Steve Wozniak, and and Steve O said I have to go on a trip, and my my laptop just died. And Wozniak goes, well, you know, we can just run over to the Apple store and we'll get you a new one. It'll be great. It'll be fine. And so Steve-O, I think, assumed he was just going to give them a laptop. Yeah. Because they're, how much are they? Five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars something? Yeah, yeah, up to a thousand, twelve hundred, depending 1200, on what you get. Yeah. Twelve hundred. Yeah. So while they're there, Wozniak says, <laughs> says to the cashier, um, just charge them my price. I'm a... I'm a what a member, or what the hell ever you call it. Sure. Uh, right? You know, and the cashier didn't know who he was. Had no idea who Steve Wozniak was. So he says, well, Mr. Wozniak, uh, if, you're, if you're one of our charter people, what's your number, your charter number? And he said, one. <laughs> <laughs> his, his member number was one. So, so the greatest thing about it is Steve-O says, so I got the laptop for, you know, it was like $950. Yeah, you thought he was going to get it for free. But yeah, no, we don't do that. Your we charter say, number gets you fifty dollars off. <laughs> it gets yeah. you like fifty bucks off. That's about and Steve O's trying to dig through his wallet for an old college ID <laughs> to be like, college students get a hundred dollars off, right? Yeah, right, exactly. This is this is still good. I would get more money off if I didn't use your number one. I love that. What's your what's your member number? One. One. I was the first member. Okay, so you studied poetry in college. I did. Um, it was. Uh, you know how life teaches you lessons? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I was a young man who was going to do stand-up comedy every single night in San Francisco. Right. And I thought, you know what? I need a nice, easy major. Something that uh, yeah. I can write a poem. They're not going to be able to tell me it's not poetic. Yeah, so, this so you is went going from to be Texas easy. To San Francisco to go to college. Uh, specifically to do stand up, and I just ended up going and to college. Ended up there. going to college. Anyway, um, okay. I went to I went to a school where you didn't have to be that smart because I was like, yeah, I'm not going to have a lot of time for this. <laughs> um, and I had teachers warn me. They were like, if you thought creative writing was just going to be some easy major, um, uh, you know, you're going to be real surprised. And I just young and cocky, going, yeah, we'll yeah. see, <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how that out. is. And uh, sure enough. You know, they're they're saying, write a poem and turn it in. And I go, all right, I'll throw some words together. And I turn it in and then write another poem, turn it in. Okay, here you go. And then at the end of the semester, they're like, we've been talking about poetry all semester. So take one of your poems that you wrote 
and then write a 10-page paper about how you're going to improve it using the craft elements of poetry. And my jaw must have dropped. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, But I managed to put it together. And uh, what I found was the writing of jokes and writing of poems, a lot of overlap because you're trying to use really? as few words as possible. Yeah, that's true. You're yeah. trying to use yeah. timing and rhythm. The yeah. only difference, the only difference between a joke and a poem is every joke has the same intention, which is you want to make people laugh. That's correct. That's right. the only difference. Right. So I actually went to one of my professors and I was like, you know, I've been doing stand-up comedy. I want to turn in, I've, I'm writing these jokes. I would like to turn them in for credit. And the professor went, but what if they aren't funny? <laughs> And it it struck me so strange well, because yeah. I was like, well, you would never say that somebody's poem isn't beautiful. You That's would never true. use that subjective. You're only giving check marks for the poems anyway. You're not actually grading the poems. Poem and so stupid. you know what I did? I went, you're absolutely right. What if they're not funny? You're, I'm just going to turn in the poems. And you know what I did? I took all of my jokes and I just broke them up line by line. Love it. And every time I would pause, that would be a line break. And then I would just turn in my jokes. And you know what the professor said? Ryan, I have to tell you, you're one of our best writers. Really? You're really... See, every, there you go. You have a very distinct voice. All of your poems have like a twist at the end and it's always so funny. And I'm like... Yeah, these are jokes, you asshole. <laughs> but he didn't realize. Oh my that. god, no, no he idea. He didn't realize. And, that you were, and that's were kind of what we talked about earlier. I was like, people do not respect comedians because no, they don't true. really understand what the work is. Yeah, but all true. of a sudden, you just take your work and then you call it poems, and people go, "Oh, this is brilliant it's art." Brilliant stuff. Yeah. And I started just to just to test this theory a little bit more. I started doing poetry open mics in San Francisco, where I would oh go up god. and I would tell my jokes. I love that. But I'd be pretending to read them off of cards. Right. And uh, sure enough, people would come up to me afterward. Do you have a book? Do you have? A, we would love to buy your book. You're just so funny. And this one woman I remember specifically, I was like, yeah, I mean, I really like this whole comedy thing. I'm thinking about getting up at the Punchline Comedy Club and just trying some of this stuff there. And you know what she did? She just sneered and went, yeah, you're better than that. <laughs> there you go. Meanwhile, you no, go. no, that's what I've been doing, lady. Yeah, that's what I, I've been doing. It's just your perception of it. Now, you grew bad. up in Texas. Where in Texas did you grow up? El Paso, Texas, so right El Paso. on the border of Juarez. Yeah, right there, right there, the bridge. Did you ever see the show The Bridge? I it was did. a wonderful show. Yeah. I don't know why it only lasted two seasons. It was, uh, Ted Levine was in it. And... Probably just got expensive. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Great, great show. Because Houston has a wonderful comedy scene, don't they? Uh, I mean, they Houston, used... yeah. I mean, they used to. It was, Not anymore. Uh, well, there was a place called the, the, Laugh, the Laugh Stop. Yeah, the laugh stop like yeah, was, was like there Sam for a long Kinnison time, and, and it closed down. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, okay. it closed down. Unfortunately, I got to work there before it closed down. Oh, did you? But uh, yeah, it shut down, and then the scene—you know—scenes shift that way. There was Bill a privately Hicks, owned club in San Francisco that got bought by Live Nation, who owned the other club. Right. And so now, all of a sudden, you had a corporation that could kind of make choices to make the most money. Right. And so what ended up happening was instead of having two small clubs that were competing with each other, now you had two clubs that were owned by the same people. Right. And they were just like, great, we own it all now. And uh, that kind of got rocky for the local scene. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, absolutely. So why did you pick San Francisco? Just because you liked the town? or I really wanted to... I, 
I think people think of comedians as very cocky. They think comedians are like, I'm funny and I'm going to get on stage and you're going to laugh whatever I say. Whereas a lot of comedians do come from a place of curiosity of like, Mm -hmm. well, I think this is funny. I wonder if other people will laugh at it. It's a very, it's a very, you know, just casual place. And you're on stage, you tell the joke, you look around the room, you see who's laughing, you see who's not. And you go, oh, that's my answer. You just answered my question. There's no right or wrong here, guys. Um, But I, I didn't have the cockiness to be like, well, I'm clearly a great comedian. And I should go straight to Los Angeles. Clearly, I'm 18 years old and I know everything there is to know about show business. I I should go to New York and just dominate. Instead, I was like, I should go to a small community where I can kind of learn something and develop a little bit under the radar where nobody's going to find me. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move later if people want me to. You know, it was it was kind of a that makes sense. It it was a very conservative approach to a very liberal industry. And so uh, that's that's how I picked San Francisco. Plus, my older brother lived in the Bay Area, and yeah, well, that helps. Yeah, yeah. And just talking about sense. talking about uh, people selling their eight hundred dollar share. <laughs> my my older brother moved uh, in 1992, and he works in software. And he bought a house outside of the Bay Area, you know, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just found out he's in Indiana this week because he's going to sell his property and just get the hell out of the Bay Area. Make a ton of dough. Yeah, he's just going to, you know, get a plot of land. And, really? Yeah, he's done. But he's going to make a lot of money from that house, I would imagine. Sure. He's, he's, only, he's not even 50, but he's like, I'm retiring. We're done. We're done here. A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people are retiring at 30 now. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask like a lot of these Silicon Valley people. Yeah, those lucky enough to have gotten into Silicon Valley when the the getting was good. The people who got out of Bitcoin in January. That yeah. was it. When it was what was it? The nineteen thousand dollars per. Yeah. And then it went Could down you a little bit. Uh, Could you actually get out at nineteen thousand? If I would have, I started kind of researching it back in September, and it was about four thousand per mm, Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get in then. I would have been able to get out at 19000 real quickly. Oh, God. Yeah. So somebody would have purchased. Yeah. And God. I don't know if you heard like War- what Warren Buffett had to say about that. Yeah. But I, he was he, like, yeah, this is not – you're not investing. You're speculating. You're speculating. You're speculating right. that some other chump will pay more <laughs> yeah. for your worthless thing. And, I, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, that's what my older brother did with his house. He was speculating that he would just be able to resell it later for a lot of money, and he was correct. And he was right. Yeah. And you know what? It worked out good. Do your, so that your mathematical mind comes from your father or your mother? Uh, my mom was an accountant. My dad was an engineer for General also Motors. Both. Yeah. So both. Very, it, very logical people. Everything that you do is mathematical. It seems that way, oh, right? Absolutely. And, oh, absolutely. And it's weird that I'm in a word-based creative job. Very mathematical. And I mean, it all has to add up to something. And people right. have been coming up to me after the shows this week at Acme and just being like, it is amazing how well engineered the whole act is. There it because is. Because they're, they're blown away by the end of the act. They're like, oh, you've been setting this stuff up the whole time. <laughs> oh, there's like That's a good. theme and there's like, yeah. there's meaning to be taken from all this. You're not just some asshole telling jokes <laughs> randomly. Oh, my God. Oh, there's... There's a, it's like so a show. A <laughs> you go, yeah. So, yeah, engineering and accountant, that, that makes total sense to me because of the chess, yeah. because of the poems, because of the comedy. Yeah. It's just the way your brain works. That's a good thing. Yeah, strategize. And strategize. you just use the tools you're given. And then you just. Some people don't, though. No, they absolutely they don't. They just don't get it. The chess thing that I wanted to get into that I thought was yes. fascinating is I think everybody in America would agree that chess is an equal game. 
A man and a woman can sit down at the board, yes. and you're yep. not going to be able yep. to guess who's going to win. No. There's no reason to put your money on either one. Right. Uh, black or white, gay or straight, anybody can sit down at the board, and anybody can win. Right. So it's an equal game, right? Equal game. But then when you look at who the top 100 chess players are in the world, wow. people start going, well, it's 99 men and only one woman, so it must be sexist. And also it's like 50% Eastern European for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. And you go, look, you know who's going to win the game? The people who practice at it the most. Yeah. That's all it yep, is. That is. It has nothing to do. You can't just look at the outcome and then judge how the game is sexist or prejudiced or whatever, you have to actually look at the game. Because you can't change the game. You have to play the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Poor perspective. It's phenomenal having you in studio, man. Thank you, I sir. I appreciate your no, time. No, I'm so glad we did it. Ryan Stout, ladies and gentlemen, at Acme tonight, tomorrow night, 8 and 10.30. RyanStout.com for details. I like it. Yeah. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.